Well, Merry Christmas. So good to see all of you here tonight, some of you that have come a long distance to be here, some of you that came from right around the corner. Uh, we're just so glad that God has brought us here tonight to worship Him, to sing to Him, to open His Word, and to hear what it is that He would once again speak into our hearts and into our lives. And uh, just as they've said earlier, if you're a guest here, this is your first time here, we're so glad uh, to have you joining us. Those of you that are watching online, we're so blessed and thankful that we can have the ability to be able to stream this into your home, so thank you for joining us as well. Um, I also noticed that there's some kids with us tonight. Are there some kids around here? You guys are really quiet. Go ahead, just wave at me. All right. Just so you know, we love kids here at Shepherd's Gate, and kids, I'm going to need your help throughout the sermon, okay? There's going to be a couple pivotal moments um, that I'm going to need for you to just help me with my sermon. Is that okay, kids, tonight? All right, good. If you help me after the service, you can have as many cookies as you want, okay? <laughs> Deal? All right, here we go. Let's start with a question tonight. Have you ever had a really bad blank? Anybody having a bad day? How about a month? Ready to get rid of December? How about a year? Is anybody just ready to move on into 2023? You're just ready to let go of 2022? What about a relationship? Ever had a bad relationship? Parents, you ever had a bad kid? <laughs> Kids, have you ever had a bad parents? Oh, man, there's a lot of hands that shot up on that one. What about a bad boss? See, here's the reality. Everyone in here, regardless of age, has all had life, had things thrown at you throughout your life. Things haven't gone according to plan. Something has disrupted your flow and made you a little irritated and a little agitated. And sometimes people walk around, they got chips on their shoulders. Sometimes people, you know, because things keep going wrong, they start getting angry and they start taking their frustrations out on others. But it's true, nobody in here has lived a perfect life. No one has lived here without adversity or having struggles that they've had to go through. And if you're new to church, maybe you're new to the Bible, you're new to this whole concept, you're here because someone brought you here tonight, let me explain it this way. If you've never had anybody explain to you the Bible, all throughout Scripture, as we call it, are accounts of people interacting with God. And what's so incredible is that almost all the time, most of the time in Scripture, you find people that are going through hardships. And what happens is usually people try to fix the hardships on their own. They usually try to figure out life, they try to figure out why they're going through the difficulty, and then they try to solve the problem until they realize they get to a point where they can't. And so what happens is they cry out to God and they ask Him for help. And this is what's really cool about what we read in the Bible, is every time people cry out to God, he actually answers them. And so there was a period in, in the history of Scripture, because all of Scripture is full of real people at real places at real times, and there just happened to be a period of history, it was seven years before Jesus was actually born, where the people of God were, were, were being persecuted, and they were going through some difficulty, and they weren't actually sure if they were actually going to be taken captive by another nation. And so they cry out to God, and the way that God would speak to his people was he would find a person, they would be called a prophet, and God would download to the prophet what he would want to be spoken 
to his people. And so seven years before, before Christ's birth, there was a prophet. His name was Isaiah. And these are the words that God gave to Isaiah to encourage people in this time. This is what he said. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. God himself is actually going to cause this to take place. This is actually going to be a miracle because this has never happened before. No one has ever birthed a child in this way. Virgins don't have children. So that's how you're going to know that this is from God. And this is what he says. Later on, he actually explains a little bit more detail how significant this child will actually be. And for those of you that have been with us this month, you know that this has been our theme verse for all of December. Will you please say this verse? Kids, you can do this with me as well. Will you please say this verse with me? For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, I want you to think about this because Isaiah didn't say this promise is going to be fulfilled tomorrow or the next day or the next week or the next month or the next year or even in their lifetime. And yet they held on to this promise. They held on to, the, to, this, to this idea that there is a God in heaven that loves us so much that he is going to send someone to this earth to rescue us, to save us. And that all of these things would end up becoming true, that he would be a wonderful counselor, that he would be a mighty God, that he'd be the everlasting father, and that he would be the prince of peace. And if you fast forward those 700 years, and you realize that you're living about 2,000 years ago, that God Almighty breaks through human history and he breaks into the earth that he has created, and he breaks into the time and space that you and I live in. And that there was people, actual eyewitnesses, that gathered information, that told others, and that they actually give us an account of what took place on that one particular moment, on that one particular day, in the very significant moment that God broke through in this earth. And so Luke captures it this way, he wrote it this way, in those days the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now you got to imagine at this time it was pretty small. I mean, there was a small area and the Romans were the ones that were ruling at the time and they owned a pretty large area of the world. And it tells us that this was a registration while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And so what they would do is they would require people to go back to where they originated from. And so we are introduced to Joseph, who's from Galilee, from this town in Nazareth, and he is told he has to go to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because that's where he originates from. And oh, by the way, his wife just happens to be pregnant, and they don't care because they want to do a census, which really what the Roman government was saying was, it really, wasn't really so much about counting heads, it was more that they wanted to be able to tax people and tax them to the fullest extent. We don't know anything about that nowadays, right? We, we're so glad that they, that they dealt with that so long ago. And so here we have Joseph Mary, who he's engaged to, and she is with child. Well, they make it to Bethlehem, and it says while they're there, the time comes for her to give birth. And she gives birth to her firstborn son. She wraps him in swaddling cloths. She lays him in a manger 
I mean, this is what we love about Christmas. It's the most beautiful, precious moment. I mean, who doesn't love a newborn baby who's wrapped in fresh clothes in place so that everyone can come around and see? But yet this child is like no other child that has ever been born. You know what I find amazing is that God fulfilled his promise. That God kept his word, and maybe it wasn't in the time frame that, that the people at the time that received the promise thought, or the generations that received that promise, but God's the one that chose the exact time and the exact hour to break through for you and for me and for all of mankind. And not only does he break through and, and he has Jesus born in Bethlehem, he decides that, that this actually needs to spread out to some more. Some more people need to be involved in this moment in history. And so Luke tells us that in the same region there were shepherds that were out in their field. They're actually keeping watch over their flocks at night. Real people, real shepherds. And if you dig into the culture at this time, these weren't always the people that, that, that were considered the high people in society. In fact, they were the ones that were kind of looked down on. They were kind of like pushed aside and there were certain things and restrictions that they actually had against them because they were shepherds. And yet God Almighty decided that he would make them part of this account. And so here they are, they're keeping their watch over their flock and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appears to them. The glory of the Lord is shown around them. And of course, because they had never seen an angel before, the proper response is to be full of fear. If an angel came in this room right now, or if an angel came into your bedroom, or an angel came into your home, trust me, your first response would be fear. But yet the angel, knowing this, says to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is for all mankind. And it all comes down to this verse, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Oh, by the way, this is the promised Messiah. He is Christ the Lord. And these shepherds would have known this. They would have known the passage in Isaiah. They, they would have heard these words and been so excited that this promise is finally being fulfilled. And not only are they receiving the announcement, it goes on to say that this is going to be a sign for you, shepherds, that you're actually going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You get to go see this firsthand with your eyes. You get to be the people that actually share the testimony that the Savior has actually been born. And in godlike fashion, he decides to add a little sprinkle to this whole thing. Decides that you know he's going to add a little bit of flair to this whole announcement. And all of a sudden, the sky is full of angels. And they're praising God. And they're screaming at the top of their lungs, just like we did just a few moments ago. They're saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, what does it say? Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so often when people read this verse, they misunderstand it. They'll say, well, this means that there should be peace on earth. And here we are living 2,000 years later, and our earth is anything but at peace. I want you to think about this. They had been given the sign, the promised Savior, yet their world was anything 
but at peace. They were living at a time, again, that they were under oppressive rule from the Roman government. And shortly after Jesus was born and word began to spread, there was a ruthless dictator. His name was Herod. He was a madman. And when he heard that there was the possibility that people would begin to believe that somebody else might actually be king, he goes ahead and he orders the murder of all baby boys that are two years old and younger. And there is devastation and weeping across this region of the world. Matthew's the one that gives us these details. See, this too is part of the Christmas account. This is actually the real story of what has taken place and what took place during this time. And then you look at the world that we live in. The struggles that we face. We are on this side of the Christmas story. We've been given the sign. We know who the Messiah is, the promised Savior, Yet our world is anything but at peace. Why? Why haven't we figured this out? Why is our world so churned upside down? All the wars and conflicts and innocent bloodshed. And then you just take into account the last two days, what, what's kind of sweeped across our country and storms. And just all the devastation that we experience in our lives. But what if we narrowed it down tonight? What if we got a little bit more specific? What if I were to ask you, who or what is interrupting your peace? Is it a financial situation? Is it a relational problem? Somewhere in your family or in your life? Are things at work not what they should be? Do you kind of just feel like God has abandoned you and so you're angry at God and you're not even sure if you, you, know, you believe him anymore and so you've kind of just pulled back and maybe because of all the, the chaos of the last three years, you're just kind of done with God, you're done with church, you're done with pastors, you're done with anything that would just remind you of anything that would result in saying that this would be the way that we should believe? What is interrupting your peace? Now, here's what I can bet tonight, and the nice part is we've already done three services, so I know that this is going to be true. But I think we would all agree that this is the least peaceful place on the planet. Are you ready? Right here. Because I don't believe anyone actually goes to the airport because they're seeking peace. Is anybody, you go there and you're like, oh, I just can't wait to just unwind and relax in long lines. People are so friendly. Nobody's trying to cut in front of anyone. Everyone's just so polite. People, you don't, no one ever gets ignored or left behind. No. 12,000 flights have been canceled the last couple of days. One of my coworkers called me not long ago because she was supposed to be on a plane to Florida and they told her the next available flight is Tuesday. So she decided with her family to get in her car and start driving to Florida. So we need to pray for her. Everyone's lives have been disrupted in one way, shape, or a, a form. Well, it just so happens that a few months ago, I happened to be in an airport. I was in Florida, and I actually had a flight, and I was getting ready to leave and to go to 
uh, Phoenix, Arizona to visit my grandma. And so there I am, and I don't know if you're like me, I really, you know, airports, a lot of people, a lot of congestion, you just try to, you know, get where you need to be and keep a low profile and get to your next place. And the other thing that's become so stressful, is this for anybody else, is the whole baggage thing, how they charge for baggage now, and if you, you know, you do it two weeks early, it's one price, you do it there, it's another price, and I just try to stuff everything I possibly can in my carry-on. Anybody else like that? All right, good. So I get to the airport, and I, and I have my carry-on, and it has everything that I need for my trip, and I get up to TSA, I go through security, I get on the other end of security, and I wasn't 10 steps past the security checkpoint when this nice lady comes over the loudspeaker and she says, hey folks, there's been a bag mix-up. If everyone could please just stop what they're doing and to look down and to make sure that you have your right suitcase. This happens a lot, a lot of suitcases are black. If everyone could just do that for us, so everyone has the right suitcase and it goes to the right destination with the right people, we would really appreciate it. And I'm sitting there in that moment, you know what I thought? How silly are people? Like, is this really that hard to get your right, you go through the security checkpoint, the thing comes out of the conveyor belt, you grab your bag, and you leave. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I hope that person finds their suitcase. <laughs> Another thing that I do at the airport is I always have to go and see the gate that I'm leaving from. I could be at the airport four hours early. I still need to physically see the sign that tells me this is the gate that I'm going to. Does anybody else do that? I don't know what it is. There's a lot of you that do that with me. And then I can go and relax, get a cup of coffee, get something to eat. And so I get to the gate, and wouldn't you know this nice lady over the loudspeaker says again, hey folks, there's still a bag mix-up. If everyone could just stop what they're doing, maybe you didn't hear the first announcement, check to make sure you have the right bag, we'd really appreciate it. And I was like, oh my goodness, humanity. Is there any hope for humanity? So then I went and got myself a sandwich and something to drink, and I'm sitting there, and I took my first bite of the sandwich, and the sweet lady gets on the loudspeaker again. I'm like, this is getting annoying at this point. So I thought, well, might as well give it a shot. I know what my suitcase looks like. I know it's a Swiss gear. I know it looks like this. And so I looked down, I'm like, yeah, that's my suitcase. And something inside me said, you should really look inside your suitcase. And so I began to unzip my suitcase, and I looked inside, and wouldn't you know, somebody put somebody else's belongings <laughs> in my suitcase. Can I tell you, I was furious with myself. I was so angry, and my stomach was in so many knots about how selfish I had been and how nice this lady had been over the loudspeaker that I couldn't even finish what I had bought, and I threw it away, and the next thing you know, I'm walking fast back to the security checkpoint, and I found the lady that was in charge, and I said, I am so sorry, I am the fool that didn't listen to the first uh, three in, or two announcements, and so I'm here to just go to prison, I don't know what you people do, <laughs> I just think I should be banned from flying for the next three months, it just seems fair, and she's like, no, no, it she's like, no, sweetie, it happens all the time, you're going to be okay. And so she begins to talk to all the other TSA workers and come to find out there's nobody else there that has a bag that looks like mine that's waiting to exchange. And so she says, because this happens all the time, that announcement was probably for somebody else that makes bag. Can you walk me through what happened when you went through security? And I said, sure. I was waiting to go in line, and there was a nice lady in front of me, and she went through the metal detector. The metal detector went off, so she had to come back because she had jewelry on. And so I went through the metal detector, grabbed my bag, and then proceeded to the gate. 
And she said, do you think that it would be possible that you had the same bag as her and that you grabbed her bag and that she has your bag? I was like, yeah, that's possible. And she says, do you remember what she looked like? And I was like, I kind of remember what she looked like. So she says, this is what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Because she probably doesn't even realize that she has your suitcase and that you took her suitcase. You are going to go walk up and down the terminal (laughs) with this guy. Until you find your bag and have her look at the contents and then you can exchange and it'll be a, you know, a happy place, a peaceful place on earth. And I was like, the guy was really nice, but I'm like, this, is there somebody else? You guys, can he borrow a TSA agent? No, no, you're going with this guy with this huge gun. Can I just tell you that that entire airport in Detroit, that every single person's peace was disrupted as I was going up and down the terminals, gate by gate, chair by chair, profiling. I mean, parents were grabbing their children and pulling them close. And here's this middle-aged ball guy walking around with a guy with a big gun trying to find my silly suitcase. And wouldn't you know, we went through the airport not once, but twice, and we could not locate this lady. It gets worse. We go back to the security checkpoint. And she's like, maybe she already got on her flight. We'll have to figure this out later. We'll take some information down. And as she's taking my information down, a lady comes on the loudspeaker again and says, hey, there's been a mix-up of bags. Could everyone just stop one more time and check their bag? And then she adds this detail, because we have your bag down on the curb of the airport. And so the security guard looks at me, and we then go and exit out the airport because this is what actually had happened. Is I had arrived to the airport via shuttle, and I was the first one off the shuttle, and when I had reached for my bag on the shuttle, I had actually grabbed the wrong bag and walked the wrong bag through the airport, through security, and completely destroyed everyone's day (laughs) because I was a selfish human being. Is that not incredible? So kids, remember I told you I needed your help? I had to humble myself, kids get ready, and I had to admit that I was this guy. (laughs) Kids, help me, who is this? Oh man, that makes my heart so warm. Kevin, I'm so glad your parents still have you watch Home Alone. One of the greatest movies of all time. This is Home Alone 2, when Kevin stopped in the middle of the airport because his electronic device, the batteries died. Not that we would know anything about that, right? And so he stopped and had to change his batteries. And because he changed his batteries, when he looked up, he couldn't find his family anymore. And he started following somebody that he thought was his dad. It just turns out the guy had the same jacket as his dad. And because he followed this guy, he ended up on the wrong plane and ended up at the wrong destination in the wrong city. But you know what it reminded me of is I think that's how a lot of us go through life. I think because of circumstances around us and just the chaos and just the uncertainty and just our peace has been disturbed like never before. I honestly believe that's why a lot of people and and churches all all over the world are struggling. People aren't coming back to church. People are losing faith. People are doubting whether this is all real or not. And it's because our peace that we think that we're supposed to have, this peace on earth has what's been disturbed. Meanwhile, the whole time, God's over here saying, that's not the right peace. 
That's not the peace that I actually came to give you. That's actually not what I'm talking about in the scriptures that I've given you. The peace is actually found in me. It's in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And do you know how we know that? Because when Jesus was with his disciples, right before he was about to be taken captive, right before he was about to have his arms stretched out and be nailed to a cross, he gave his disciples a very long speech. He wanted them to be encouraged. He wanted them to know that life on earth was not going to be easy. And especially as they see him taken captive, after they had put so much faith and stock and time and energy into Jesus and believing that he truly was the Savior, that things were going to get difficult. And so these are the words that he actually gives them to to remind them over and over again that they can push through, that they can get through the difficulty that life throws at them. And so he says these words to them. He says, peace I leave with you. It's my peace that I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. It's a different form of peace. That's not the right peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't get sucked into believing the lies. You do not need to be afraid because I've already paid the price for you. I love you. I created you. And I have a purpose and a plan for you. He goes on toward the end of his speech to say these words again. I have said these things to you so that in me, the peace is found in me, in a relationship with me, you can have this peace. Because this world's messed up. I know it. I created it. And unfortunately, man's the one that brought sin into the world. And since then, we've been dealing with it. But here's what you get to do. You get to take heart. You get to realize that I have already overcome the world. And the reason I was born, I was on a mission. It wasn't just to be a little cute baby in a manger, even though I was super cute in that manger. My mission was this, to ultimately go to a cross, to stretch out my arms, to be murdered so horrifically, to be beaten, that I would have the weight of everyone's sins placed on my physical body, that I would breathe my last breath so that I could die for you and restore the relationship, the peace between man and God once and for all. That's how he overcomes the world. And he loves us so much. He does all of these things for us, which is why he has these characteristics, which is why he has these names. And I want you to hear him again. Jesus is the wonderful counselor because he wants a personal relationship with you. He's not in some far-off galaxy. He actually knows you. He created you in your mother's womb. You are fearfully, you are wonderfully made. And he does. He has a purpose and a plan for you. He's the mighty God because he is the creator. He created the world. He understands the way that it works. Jesus is the everlasting father. You know why? Because he was with God when the world was being created. And he chose to humble himself, to put himself in human flesh, to walk the earth like we do, to experience all the things that we experience in this life. Because he wanted to be that connected to you and to me. He so desperately wants that relationship with you. Then ultimately, as we learn, he's the prince of peace. He is the only one that has the peace that your human heart and that my human heart needs. This is the peace that saves us. This is the peace that we are given, that we know that when our time comes on this earth and we shut our eyes in this life and we open them in the next, that God Almighty is there. 
with arms wide open, ready to welcome us into his family, into his eternal kingdom. You know why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. Take heart. I have overcome the world. And so our prayer for everyone in here tonight, man, woman, child, you're a child in here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're mad at Jesus, you've walked away from Jesus, maybe whatever the circumstance is, realize the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You're not even here on accident. I don't care if you were dragged here by your grandma, maybe you're dating someone and you're trying to impress the girl, you want to impress her, come back in January, all right? You're here on purpose, you're watching online on purpose because God is speaking to you in this moment. And he's saying these words to you, I created you, I love you, I was born for you, I died for you, and I stepped out of that tomb to defeat sin, death, and the devil so that you can have eternal peace in me. Amen? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, God, it's your grace. It's your mercy. God, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we know that your Holy Spirit is at work. God, you know every human heart that is in this room and those that are watching online. You know every circumstance, you know every trial, you know every hardship. God, we know there's people in here. They're dealing with sickness and illness and disease. God, we know that there's relational difficulties, financial difficulties. God, we know some people, they've just, they've, they haven't been part of a church, they haven't been part of, of having you be part of their lives, and they're spiritually starving, and yet here you are in this moment, calling them back to yourself, saying, I love you, and I will once again pour my presence into you, and I will once again give you the assurance that you are my child, and that I love you, and that I have never left you or forsaken you. And if that's you tonight, and you know the Holy Spirit is all around you in this moment, you know that he's tugging at your heart, man, would you just surrender to him? Even if it's something as simple as just help. Or okay, God, or I surrender. And watch what it is that he begins to do anew in your heart and in your life. God, we love you. You are so amazing. So much greater than we even realize. We are so blessed by your presence. We pray all these things in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.